0: That's it from me. Uh, Why don't we give Mike
1: a real warm welcome as he comes and shares from God's Word. Is that right? morning, everyone. Uh, If you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 4. So just a little bit about this evening as well, while you're just doing that. We had a few well, it was a few months ago now, we did a a similar evening and just very simply looked at um, how we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we then begin to uh, interact with him and allow him a space to, to um, touch us as a church and as individuals. Uh, so this is going to be a follow on from that. So we're going to look a little bit tonight at different gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can begin to use those gifts to bless one another and how those gifts can kind of bless us. Uh, the church is, is, is a, a priesthood um, of all believers. So we're all able to minister to one another, and the way we minister to one another is in the power of the Holy Spirit, by stewarding his presence, uh, identifying what he's trying to do, what he wants to say, and then helping one another with that, either rece- being on the receiving end or on the giving end. So tonight I hope will be very practical uh, there won't be huge, long sort of Bible study. We'll just look at some passages of scriptures just to help us, and then we'll very much—I um, was going to say—experiment. That sounds a bit dangerous, doesn't it? But it's a bit, but a controlled explosion. We'll call it like that. Um, we'll, we'll we'll allow the Holy Spirit just to to move among us and see what He wants to do. I've got absolutely no idea what it what He wants to do at all, but we'll we'll sort of start the start it off and see what happens all right so if you if you like that sort of you never quite know what's going to happen tonight is for you right because i've got no idea what's going to happen but i think i know where we're going to start and uh, all i do know is this whenever god's people come together and allow the holy spirit to have um uh, freedom amongst us is always good isn't it there's always something you leave feeling much better than you did before you came, and you might be actually the key to unlocking someone else's situation tonight so that they feel much more encouraged in God. And to be honest, that's actually, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, isn't it? So you might it's not just about what you might get out tonight. It's could you come along tonight and be the key that really blesses someone else's life be it with a healing, or a word of encouragement, or some, some impartation of what God wants to do in someone's life. And I've <clears throat> all throughout my Christian life, I've found times like that together quite extraordinary. Uh, sometimes I can remember when I first became a Christian and uh, r- received the Lord Jesus into my life, I didn't really know very much at all about the Holy Spirit. In fact. Um, a little youth group of us sort of all came to know the Lord and started to get added together in in, in the church that we were part of and um, I can remember one uh, evening we were around at someone 's house It was a very small house, so we were in the front room, we were in the back room we were in the hall, we were up the stairs we were on the landing. It was like full of of youth and i I was the designated Worship leader, because I was the only one who could play anything. And I only knew about three chords in those days, so my repertoire was a bit limited. Um, and I just used to change the order of the songs most week rather than find new ones. Anyway, well, we started to um, worship the Lord. And uh, quite sovereignly that evening, without any, we'd never had any teaching on this, we'd never had any experience of this whatsoever, but quite sovereignly. God started to move in one of the rooms. I think it was the front lounge, yeah. And people just started to sing in tongues, sing in the Spirit. No one had had any experience of this before. Yeah, It was completely, and and this sound came out of that room, all down the hall, into the back room, came out the back room, went up the stairs, all along the landing, came all the way back. It was like the Holy Spirit conducting. Uh, It was absolutely extraordinary. And from that moment, I've always loved when God's people give space, uh, because the Holy Spirit always does extraordinary things. So um, that's my best pitch for tonight, all right? So uh, we haven't got any... Well, we have got stairs. You can all go and sit up the stairs if you like, and we'll see. see. (laughs) You might freeze to death before anything happens. But Right, Acts chapter 4. Okay, I'm going to talk about the unstoppable purposes of God. That should hopefully... Uh, hopefully encourages this morning the unstoppable purposes of God. So it's a bit of a chunk of scripture, but I think sometimes it's good to let the scriptures be read, isn't it? And just for us to let the impact of them without, actually, they almost don't need any comment, do they? Because they're so um, powerful. So this is in the days of the early church, the um uh, the church is just beginning to get going after Jesus has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. He's ascended back to heaven. And now, uh, and the, the great visitation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they're all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to tell people about their experiences in Jesus. Uh, and this was all sort of kicking off around this time. And the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people, so they're preaching, Uh, And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, um, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, so they'd healed someone in the previous chapter, right? it's quite an extraordinary healing, they prayed for this guy, and he'd been healed, and it actually caused this ripple of the gospel to go out. If we're being called to account for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who was who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, just, just let that, to stop this thing spreading any further among the people. Just note that for when we come back to that. We must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. makes it sound old, doesn't it, really? But perhaps in those days it was, I don't know. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David." and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Father, help us just as we let these scriptures wash over us, Lord, this morning. We pray, um, Holy Spirit, use uh, different verses, Holy Spirit, different things, different themes. Do you know all the, the, the needs and the perspectives and the things that each one of us would would need to hear from you today? So I pray you take my limited vocabulary, my limited gift Lord, and just breathe on them, Lord, so that what you want to say lands in each person's heart and even people listening on on recording later. We pray, Father, would you um, strengthen your church, Lord, strengthen your church this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to try and go through some of the verses and pick out some themes that I think can perhaps help us. Around this this subject of the unstoppable purposes of God, we have to realize God's purposes are unstoppable. You do realize that, don't you? When nothing is going to stop the Lord from what He wants to do, it's impossible. And if you look throughout um, church history or well human history, uh, whatever the devil has thrown against the purposes of God, ultimately the Lord always overturns it. There, there is there is nothing that can that can hinder. Ultimately, what God wants to do. And often we can look at little, um, parcels of life, as it were, and we untie the parcel and we look at it and it's either encouraging or discouraging. We look at, but the thing is, we mustn't judge the purposes of God by the small parcels that are right in front of us. We have to look at the whole thing. Because throughout history, there's always been ebbs and flows of God's purposes moving. But ultimately, the, 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 um, The trajectory is always towards that great final day when Jesus shall return. He he is coming, and as far as I can see, it's a day closer than it was yesterday. And when you look at the world with all its turmoil at the moment, who knows how long that will be? We really don't know. We are to live in the light of his appearing, aren't we? And his ultimate purpose, so the reason he hasn't come back so far, is because he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to eternal life. He's holding back because he wants to bring as many people into his kingdom as possible. It might even be why you're here today, or you're listening to this. You may not know Jesus yet, but you are in a day of grace where he's reaching out to you to say, I want you, I want you, I died for you. I want you to know the gospel. I want you to know that I died for you that you might be forgiven and know your Father in heaven, receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. He's patient. He wants everybody to come to know him. But there is opposition to what he is <coughs> about. We can read here. There's this um, it says the authorities were greatly disturbed and put them in jail. When God started to move, uh, there was this healing. Uh, it started, and then, and then there was preaching going on, and then there was a, a reaction to it. It said they, they were greatly disturbed. They put them in jail. And in verse 17, it says, to stop this thing spreading further. I do hope you've got a vision that this thing should spread further, because Jesus has this, praise God for it, for this church, the people, for this building, a gift, uh, a tool. It is not an end in itself. Do we agree on that? It, and what we also need to agree on is the devil thinks, I want to put a stop to this spreading further. It's always his plan. You remember when... Um, Jesus was born. Herod sent word, "Kill all the kill all the young children," you know. Or with Moses, uh, he's put in the bulrushes because they, you know, wanted to kill all the firstborn. There's always a plan that the enemy has to kill at birth when God starts to move, and he will do that through all sorts of ways. Here we see the the authorities were 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 enraged. Um, <clears throat> and they tried to just kind of tell them well, don't don't talk anymore in this name you know we forbid you to preach anymore in this name to to shut it down there will always be a reaction from the enemy when god starts to move in our personal lives to stop us from spreading further because there's so much land when we read the story of the israelites uh, taking the, the the land the promised land We rightly read that corporately, don't we, because it's about a people. But it's also true of you and me, isn't it? There's a land of fruitfulness that God has got for you and for me. And when we become Christians, we begin that journey. In some some senses, we do receive it all, but we have to then walk into the good of it. And so when, when we come to know the Lord, the enemy thinks, I want to stop this spreading any further. I don't want them to get too enthusiastic for Jesus. I don't want them to become too excited. I don't want them to persevere through difficulty. I don't want them to become mature believers. I don't want them to become all that God wants them to be, because that would be far too dangerous to my kingdom. And my kingdom of darkness is to keep people in the dark so they might never, know to, never ever come to know Jesus. He will always try to stop this thing spreading further. That's his game plan. That's why we, we have to understand there's spiritual warfare at work. Setbacks can come, difficulties can come, opposition can come. And it will only, if you're, if you feel that God's been speaking to you, even as a church, if we feel God's been speaking to us about things to come in the future, and then there are some setbacks or difficulties, or, I don't know, there can be all kinds of relational tensions, there will be all kinds of difficulty, things, setbacks, things that just sort of take the, take the air out the tires. For also, that's not just coincidence. Right? That's the enemy thinking, how do I stop this going any further? It's always his game plan. And So we have to understand that's how he works, so we don't get fooled by it and think, oh, perhaps God isn't with us anyway. No, the reason it's difficult is precisely because he is with us. There's something the enemy's trying to stop. Sometimes you can find churches that have been stuck in a certain I don't know, they've just been going for so long. Or Christians who've just been carrying on the same way for year after year, and they think, well, my life's pretty straightforward, actually. I mean, you know, life's good. Church, we like church. It's fine. It doesn't seem to be any difficulty. That's an alarm bell to me, because the devil's thinking, well, I don't need to bother with that not spreading any further. It's not got any life in it. It's only when there's something about to press in that he goes, hang on a minute, hang on. The, the authorities were not stirred up until the apostles started preaching. They were quite happy. It's fine. Nothing, nothing to see here. We don't need to do anything. It's when God started to move. It's a familiar pattern we find in scriptures. God moves. The gospel's told. There's a dramatic breakthrough. A healing, in this case, occurred. And then the enemy resists through many, many means. And he resists, ultimately, the gospel. What is it that he is resisting? Well, in verse 11, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That is the one verse in all of this that when you really boil it all down, that's the one thing the enemy's trying to stop. He's trying to stop people from hearing that. He's trying to stop people from understanding you cannot come to know God, you cannot find forgiveness of sins, you cannot have a relationship with God that is genuine and authentic in any other means, through any other name, other than Jesus Christ himself. That's the thing that the enemy is trying to stop. So in in our own personal lives, he will want want to sort of Stop us from telling our neighbours, our friends, our family, our work colleagues about Jesus, just telling them our simple story of how we came to, he will want to stop that. He will want, make us feel intimidated. He will make us feel embarrassed, ashamed, not get the right moment, or when we do have a go, it doesn't go very well and we get it all back to front and then no, I'm not doing that again. No, he- he'll try to stop us, or as a church, we try, right, we're going to step out in this outreach thing and then nobody turns up. You think, are? stay in your place. No, I'm not staying in my place. We go again. We go again. He's going to try and stop this thing spreading further. So he said, no, you're not going to. We're not going to give up after the first attempt. How many people, even in natural life, ever succeeded if they gave up the first time they hit opposition? How much more when you're dealing with spiritual dynamics? You've got to go and go and go again. And when, when we get hit by the enemy, as these people were, really hit, they put in jail overnight, for goodness' sake, and ordered not to speak anymore. Now they could have said, oh, "All right, well, we'll yeah, we'll go and uh, sorry about that. We won't, we won't cause any more." I mean, they clearly were not British, were they? I mean, they, I mean we would have said, oh, "I'm terribly sorry." <laughs> we, what were we thinking? You know? No, it's just. That's why God started in the Middle East, not in Kentish town. Far too polite. He wanted to be somewhere where people would, you know, it would explode, as it were, with with that sort of Middle Eastern temperament. So we've we've got to recognize that there's something happening. then it says, on their release, in verse 23, on their release, at some point, um, you know, perhaps we've done something or in the coming days we'll do something as a church or you'll do something as an individual and and somehow the enemy restricts you or something or you'll feel, I don't know, pushed back. There will come a point at some point where God will release, he'll bring a release from that. And there'll be a a breakthrough. Now it's what we do when that fresh sense of um, just beginning to get our confidence back Happens. It's what we do at those moments that's really important that we can learn from. From this, first thing we need to know that there is we recognise the hand of God is at work, even when things go difficult for us. Always, God is always at work. There is never a circumstance, even the most tragic of circumstances. There's never anything that God is not capable of taking. And even in its brokenness, transforming it, re- breathing redemption onto it, so that it ends up, even through pain, becoming something that glorifies Jesus. That he, he will do that. He's a beautiful artist at getting hold of a a, a terribly messed up palette, and then just let me just put, just just put some color there and adjust that there. And you look at it and you think, wow, that. What looked awful, uh, it's just transformed. Um, and many believers and many churches have, have almost like sort of scars and wounds that we walk with through battles we've had to come through. But somehow the scars become beautified in the same way that Jesus' scars were beautified. When we see him in heaven, he's still carrying those scars. His body, though raised and glorified, he still carries them. It's an extraordinary thing. You think, well, heaven, full of such perfection. Well, perfection doesn't mean removing the visibility of pain sometimes. God's got an amazing way of doing that, just releasing us into something. He says, on their release, there will be a release when the enemy comes in. There's always going to be a release, but the crucial thing is what do we do? And in verse 24, we find what is always the right thing to do when we're facing enemy pushback and we're facing the enemy strategy of trying to stop this thing spreading further. And what is that? In verse 23, what did they do? Yep, they prayed. They prayed. You see, sometimes we can feel prayer is, well, it's a nice thing if you want to do it. No, it's like a weapon. And if you put fasting with it as well, that's an even more powerful weapon. They're not, they're not uh, works that gain merit. If you pray, it doesn't mean God loves you more, or he'll think, oh, yes, you're a really good Christian, you've been to the prayer meeting. It's nothing to do with merit. It's, we're in a war. You don't go into battle without any weapons, do you? Well, not for long. Anyway, your part in the war would be very, quite short. You don't go into war without any weapons. You, You go in with weapons. Prayer is an extraordinary weapon. Extraordinary. And one of the ways the devil tries to stop this thing spreading further is to spread in our minds the thought prayer doesn't actually make much difference. He's not stupid, is he? What's he gonna go for? He's gonna go for the one thing that will make it most that will make us most disabled to respond to his tactics. So he'll take prayer out. And if he can't take prayer out, what he will do is when we do go for it in prayer, he will make us think your prayers were rubbish. Why are you here? That was pathetic. Listen to that person pray on your left. Magnificent. They quoted three verses, you know, in Greek. And the only Greek you know is the kebab shop, all right? It's just you're, you're, not, you're not worthy of this prayer meeting. And so you've got your prayer all in your head, and then someone else says exactly what you were going to say. So what do you do? I think, well, I'm not going to pray now. No! Say it again. This, This here is a summary of their prayer. They didn't have it written out and all say it together. So it says they raised their voices in prayer to God and said. Now this isn't. They didn't supernaturally all of them suddenly come up with the same prayer. It's a summary of their collective voice, which they probably did all pray all at once. But it's a summary. Whoever was wrote Luke. Luke writing this summarized he was summarizing this is the tone of their prayer and they knew they had to in a unified way say the same thing to god all of them even that yeah, so the very theological prayer to the very newest believer who just you know is just expressing their heart and it probably doesn't sound as impressive as they wished it did all of that counts it's like a battering ram it's like a battering ram And, you know, praise God, there's regular times of prayer in the church here, as there would have been in the early church. But this was an extraordinary season of prayer for an extraordinary purpose. They needed, there was a, they needed for this to start spreading further. And so they needed a, a special time, a season of inte- where all they did was pray almost. They, with- they almost withdrew from everything else and they prayed. Now, in the new year, um, uh, Bob and Nick and Luke will tell you a bit more about this as we get nearer to it. But in the new year, uh, us here as Bassett Street and Revelation Church and then the Tottenham plant, we're, we're all feeling that actually God does want this to spread further, right? Particularly in North London. So there are some things God wants to do, some in postcodes where God wants uh, the gospel to start spreading. Who knows? It might lead to further church plants or more groups, or who knows what. It, but the gospel's got to spread. We all agree with that. So we're feeling, all right, Lord, we don't know, we don't know what to do. We don't, don't know your strategy. We don't know what your plans are. But we do know this: you want the gospel in North London to be spreading much further than it, where it is. If this is not it. Really isn't. This is just the beginning. So we want it to spread further. So what we're going to do is, is going to have monthly Sunday night prayer meetings for a year, in t- just for the purpose of almost what they did, calling out to God, Lord, stretch out your hand and enable your servants. Stretch out your hand, enable your servants. And out of that, I believe something will happen that will start to make this spread further. It's almost at the time we're at now. We're having God established, and praise God for how he's established uh, the presence of this church, where we are, given us this wonderful building, and, all you know, that's great. And Rev, with a history of planting Tottenham as a little first fruit, sort of a tender shoot, that we've got to keep praying, Lord, keep it, you know, help it to keep going and, you know, not collapse. You know, help it, Lord. These are early days, but there's something much more than this. Much more. Do you believe that? I mean, goodness me. The need around us is unbelievable. The, the, and our nation is, is sliding further and further away from God. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Enable your servants. They, they went for prayer in a, in a strategic, concerted way for a period of time that God might break through in the backdrop of the enemy's attempts to stop it from, from spreading. We, we mustn't settle. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy, but we mustn't settle. We've got to say, Lord, there's, there's much more. There's much, much more for us to do. And I want you to look at the combination of what they prayed for. Verse 29, it says, sorry, in verse 30, it says, stretch out your hand and perform, um, Sorry, stretch out your your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In the previous verse, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, there's two beautiful things come together, as they always should in prayer. Prayer should never be, Well, we're going to sit here, Lord, and pray for you to do something, and until you do something, we're not going to do anything. That is not effective prayer. That's passivity with words. Neither is prayer about, well, we're going to do what we think we want to do, Lord, and what we, th- what we like doing, and then we're going to ask you to bless it. That's not effective prayer either. That's presumption. This is different. This is saying, stretch out your hand. In other words, Lord, if you don't move, nothing's going to happen. But enable your servants. So if we don't step up, you've got no vehicle to do it through. Can, can you see that? So it's kind of messes up your Calvinistic and Arminian teaching all in one there. It's a complete mess up in two verses, which is good because I don't believe those two things should ever be, you know, they're kept in tension, aren't they? Like train tracks. You know. We are responsible for using our gifts to serve God. Enable your servants. Sometimes our prayer is, Lord, Sort us out. Help us. Help us. That's right. But at the same time, we pray, Lord, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Because only God can heal and save, can't he? But only we can give our testimony and put our hands on people and pray for them. So the two do go together. That, that's, that's what I think is the... If you can get that combination both in the life of the church and in the life of a prayer meeting, what actually happens is you get people ready and willing to, after the prayer meeting... Go out and serve, but they go out and serve purely on the basis of thinking, Lord, if you don't turn up, this is going to really, we're going to fall flat on our faces. But you put the two together. It's a beautiful combination of learning how, it's learning how to walk with God, isn't it? Dependently, but boldly. Taking steps of faith, because God, you know, God, God doesn't need faith. We do. Right. So faith is necessary to actually do something that God wants us to do. But at the same time, it's faith in the fact that only God can do it. I'm laboring the point, but do you, you get it? Because it's, quite, it's really quite important that we just kind of, how we approach these things. Um, and then what you notice in verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Now, the thing that strikes me about this verse and this chapter is two chapters earlier, they'd had Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, where the room was shaken, tongues of fire came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And 3,000 people came to know the Lord, whatever it was. If that was sufficient, Acts 4 wouldn't have been necessary. We all need fresh Pentecosts in different seasons and phases of our lives and in the life of the church. We need to come back again to what we first experienced. If our My story about sitting in the front lounge there at the beginning about the Holy Spirit blowing through the house, that's a wonderful story. I'm not prepared to live my life looking back at that, being thankful for that alone. I want to be in situations that surpass that in the future so that I don't tell that story. I tell another story from... Future times, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's we've got to be prepared to say we need another Pentecost. We need we need another personal Pentecost. Whatever that looks like for you, and we're all different. God meets with us in, difficult, in different ways. The thirst, the hunger, the longing for God to meet with us individually, we must never lose that and, and never be satisfied looking back on what we did experience. It's for now, today, isn't it? and uh, they, 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 there was a fresh breakthrough and we'll perhaps explore a bit about that tonight and then verse 31 it says after they prayed the place where they were meet- meeting was shaken well I'm not sure we'd appreciate that in here really that was just cracks in the wall and who knows what else would happen there's already enough water coming in Bob isn't there we don't want any more um, but the place was shaken um, they were all filled look at that not just some few people on a platform. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke the word of God boldly. Imagine that. The whole of the church here. On fire for God. Having met and encountered him afresh. So we're back into our streets, our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, the coffee shops, the supermarket. Being attentive, open to what, the God, what God wants to do through us. Just praying for someone. Paying for the shopping of the person in front of you. What like about that? Look at the size of their trolley first. <laughs> See, they've, got a ba- they've got a basket, that's all right. Just, <laughs> Just a basket. You st- start with little faith. Yeah, you can imagine saying, "Oh, I just feel that I just want to show you the love of God." and pay for your shopping, and there are three trolleys come after, but <laughs> their other their other children are bringing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just just taking steps, um, having a go. Someone you meet, you know, who's not well. You say, "Would you mind if I just..." prayed for you in the name of Jesus. I, I, I've seen God heal. I, I know he loves you, cares for you. I just want to pray for you. Do you know, even even if they weren't healed, the love of God's been shown to that person and you've been bolder. But you've given God an opportunity to work. So we're up for that? Someone was. Tara, yeah, yeah, Someone heard it from there. Someone said... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got, we've got to be up for that. So let's stand together, and um, maybe we could have the band back. That would be good, but that'd be, that's all right. I, uh, I mean, I, I genuinely do believe um, that the church here is poised, is poised in the purposes of God to use that verse uh, for things to spread further. I genuinely believe that. But I also know that we'll need God, won't we? We'll need God to to show us, direct us, strengthen us. Yeah, yeah, come now, yeah.
0: Just as uh, Mike was speaking there, when he spoke about the prayer meeting starting, I hadn't really, you know, had this in my thoughts before that, but as he gave gave that out about the three churches coming together, immediately in my head I saw a picture of a lifeboat on the beach about to be um, launched and, um, I just felt that that was God sort of saying that's kind of the lifeboat, um, going out, um, to the lost, you know, in, in this area. And it'll be beginning, but you have to do some preparation and get in a lifeboat launched We live by the sea, so we're used to seeing that happen. And, and you have to prepare that and, and people have to be ready and, and, the, and go out to, um, to reach the lost. So I felt that's uh, yeah. I think that is the beginning of something happening to bring people to Christ. Yeah,
1: very good. Yeah, I I just don't think we can underestimate or over underestimate. Yeah, how important. Um, well, all prayer is important, but like a st- like just for those people there, they had this strategic. They faced faced a need. They said, "Lord, in, you know they really went for it for a season." And uh, in due course, we'll, we'll tell you more details about it. But I, I, I do think that's right that over this coming year, it's not that we're only going to pray, not do anything else, but like an intensification of prayer for a, for a specific season, just like they did. And Lord, Lord, would you would you stretch out your hand from heaven, and would you enable your servants? to speak the word with more boldness, and to be, be to be, that, Lord, to, that this thing might spread further. Lord, we want this thing, this news about Jesus, to spread much further than the walls of this building or the confines of our home or the confines of our present experience. Lord, we want to see North London. Uh, affected more with the gospel. We want to see the nations reached from here, even sending from here, receiving into here, training, sending. Lord, we want to see all the breadth of this thing spreading further. It's spreading far and wide beyond what we even imagine, just as it did in the early church. It spread even as far as Antioch through persecution. Gentiles started to believe. Peter had that encounter In Cornelius House, the whole Gentile world broke open as a result of this prayer meeting. It was as a result of that prayer meeting that all this started to kick off. Lord, would you kick something off here next year, Lord, particularly to make this spread further? Lord, we're asking you, Lord, and as we just sing to you and lift our voices to you, Lord, would you hear it as a prayer, Lord, for all that you're going to do in the coming days. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship him and tell it respond to him.